0: And links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started.
1: My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments. They could potentially change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Today, I come to you from my sumptuous apartment here in beautiful Las Vegas, known to some at certain times as the hottest city in America. Although lately, with these weird temperatures we've been having, it's kind of disgusting. We're in spring and it's still too chilly to sit outside for an extended period of time. I want to know what the heck is up with that. Seems like a massive error. And speaking of massive errors, we are going to be speaking about some today. And among the topics we're going to cover are 10 reasons why your social media is not working. This is a timely topic. Part of this is what I cover through my Launch Your Podcast Fast program, but there's more to it. If we want to look at what we need to do to have an effective social media presence that will serve your business and your goals. And with us today is somebody who... You may have seen on my other podcast fairly recently, his name is Chris Burns. He is a published author, podcaster, and serial entrepreneur who owns and operates five different businesses. His passion for business has always been digital marketing. He has more than 20 years of experience while helping hundreds of businesses grow and scale by doubling down on digital. In 2021, Chris started his own marketing consulting business, and in 2022, he started teaching social media marketing as an adjunct professor at U... University of Wisconsin Wisconsin Oshkosh Chris Burns come on in the weather's fine
2: how are we doing today Adam thanks for having me back
1: heck yeah heck yeah and I also want to point out to our listeners that you are the host of the hustle nation podcast which I've had a chance to check out a few episodes and they're they're really awesome Now, yeah, now, overall, I read off your official bio here, as I always do. It's so impressive that I'm not really sure that I'm worthy to be in your presence. And this is my show. (laughs) So uh, so here's what we like to do. I read off the official version, but we like to get a little bit deeper. So in your own words, tell us something about your journey and how it's brought you to where you are serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion today.
2: Yeah, well, that's a great question. So I think I've learned over the years that specifically more and more recently, for sure, that my passion is marketing. And my other passions that I think blend really well with that have been helping people. So uh, I, I did work for a short time in the nonprofit space. I've been a youth coach, different sports teams and such. And so I've always and I known this that I've always liked helping people, educating, teaching, whatever it was. And what was interesting it was really about five years ago, a light bulb went off is like, you know, I can be a consultant and I can do what I love, which is marketing, but I can also help people. And so to me, I do work a lot. My wife, my friends, my family will tell you mm. I work a ton. But to me, it, it doesn't really feel like work and I, I really like it. I know that's cliche, but. I do, and it it doesn't stress me out a lot or frequently um, because I, I genuinely love what I do and I'm excited to to do what I do. But um, yeah, I, I think when you're able to really find clarity in what you do. So, for example, I have a very clear vision of what I want to achieve this year and what I'd like to achieve in the next three to five years. I, I feel like I know what, where I'm going and because of that, I know what I need to do but that took years and years of, of failure and falling short and not reaching my goals. And so, you know, all the, the shortcomings that I have or have had uh, have taught me and allowed me to get to where I am. And so you talk about brilliance plus passion, I'm still working on the brilliance part, Adam, but the, the passion mm-hmm. I've never been short on. And I, I just hope that everywhere I go and everything I do, if my passion bleeds through and people can see my, my excitement for wanting to help them and for digital marketing, that I think they're going to want to hire me. They're going to want to work with me in some capacity. And that, that has really been helpful in, in the last few years.
1: Yeah. What do you think is your secret, aside from the fact you really like what you're doing, to being able to work those extended periods of time?
2: Well, I go back to this. Um, so my my wife also has a job that requires her to work a lot so we we're definitely more than forty hours a week. but I've come to the realization because people have said to me they're like Chris, you know I don't I don't want to do that. I want to be a family man and I, I want to be around for my kids and stuff and I respect that. I also want to do those things. however, I actually want my kids to see me working hard and their mother. I want my kids to know that it's okay every once in a while to break your laptop out after dinner and get locked in because you know what, if, if you want to have nice things in life and you want to be able to afford to do nice things with your family you have to work hard there. There aren't any shortcuts. And so to me, what I've learned to to get as far as I have and hopefully to where I want to be is it, it's a couple of things. I mean, y- you got to have the passion we talked about. The other part is really about mindset and attitude. So I was on a podcast earlier today and the person interviewing me, she and I were so aligned with it. And I, I told her I kind of wrote a book about this is I think that happiness attitude, mindset, language, body language, all these things are 100% in your control. And so once you recognize that, and you're willing to say, you're right, that's correct. um, And then you start to flip the switch. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to bring energy to this conversation, I'm going to bring a really good attitude. It's just so interesting how people want to be around you. And they want to surround themselves with that type of positive energy nobody wants to be around the Debbie Downer or the negative Nancy. And so that has been uh, something that I I do have to continually work on. But that has been very helpful and that bleeds into my passion. Um, I've also found that being a lifelong continuous learner. So I I really try to be um, an artist of of my craft, uh, an expert of my craft, if you will. And just knowing that I don't know everything but I, I'm willing to try to learn as much as I can for the ultimate goal or objective to help as many people as possible. Um, I'm just trying to absorb like a sponge as, as much information. And so there's probably more, but th- those are just some of my core values that I try to live by and, and, and work off of. And it, it it's, it's helped. It's helped for sure.
1: Yeah, for me, it's iconoclasm and contrarianism and a combination of looking at the realities of my energy patterns. So for example, I don't work anything resembling a nine to five. In fact, most days during the week, I'm not even awake at nine o'clock in the morning. I've seen many sunrises because I was up that late. (laughs) Now, another part of what I do is I relocate throughout the day I have my I have my setup here in my apartment where I have my purple couch and a coffee table with the rising platform that becomes a desk I have my other desk out on the balcony if it would ever just get freaking warm enough so I could sit out there at night during my peak productivity hours which are between usually like 10 and 1 that'd be really nice if I could do that more and I'm waiting for Las Vegas to finally warm up so that happens and I move around from place to place during the day with my laptop because going to different places gives me different vibes, different energies, and accesses different versions of my creativity and my productivity. Also, the, just the kinetic energy of getting up and moving, whether that's walking, driving, or other forms of transporting, in itself helps to recharge the batteries. Now, sometimes people see me sitting somewhere with my laptop and it's a Saturday evening and they say what what are you what are you doing working on Saturday it's don't you have a life you might as well just get a job that's got to suck for you and I say say tell you what this Tuesday Wednesday coming up when you're already dragging ass because you're doing this thing of unnaturally waking up at five o'clock in the morning, which your body's probably not even tuned to do. And it's noon. You've already dealt with them a, with a, a mountain and a river of shit. And it's not even lunchtime yet. And you're mentally and morally defeated. I'll think about you when I just don't even start my day till mid afternoon because I have no urgent deadlines. I just don't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that's uh, happiness and, for you. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and next and next time your tooth dies and you need the root canal to make the throbbing stop while you're arguing with your boss about uh, whether you can take PTO and what impact it's going to have on the synergies of your work group, I'll just go right into their office and uh within an hour I'll have a uh, root canal done and same day service. Yeah. So Again, they're, they're, we all have different values, I think is what it is. And what I heard in your description is an alignment with your values. And one of the things that really stuck out for me is you want your family, you want your children to see that you're somebody who takes work very seriously, who does a lot of work, who's frequently seen working because you're instilling in them the value, at least as I saw it. That when you put forth effort and you do things that you enjoy, that brings rewards, that brings success.
2: Yes. Yeah, I would say that it, it is OK to to sit around occasionally because everyone needs time to relax, to binge watch Netflix for a half a day or what, whatever it is. If that's how you unwind, that's great. But I also think that it's important that you you instill in your children a strong work ethic. I, I don't necessarily want to every single night get home and just sit on the couch and veg out. I yeah. am a busybody, so I like to do things. I like to be busy. I like to be active. And I just feel like, you know, children are different today, just like we probably were from our parents. And I I just fear that work ethic is um, becoming lost by many. And so. Um, it's not that I want to work or I have to work. That's just kind of in my DNA. And I, I would like my children to also get to a certain point where they say, you know, I saw mom and dad work hard and I want to work hard and I want to achieve great things. And I hope that they can see that's all possible. Yeah. You know,
1: a a friend of mine who's about my age and has, uh, has a a son, I think the the kid's like 11 years old. So Chris, when you were growing up. Just tell me candidly, if your parents provided you a dinner and you didn't like it and you told them you didn't want to eat it, what happened?
2: Um, I would eat, have to eat it anyways because that was the only thing I was going to get. <laughs> right,
1: right, 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 right. Or you might have been told that there are starving children in China or Romania Correct. or Transnistria or wherever the hell. So you should be grateful. Or, and I've seen yes. families have this rule, is if it's on the table, you got to eat it. Correct. All right. So, this friend of mine uh, came up with this interesting experiment uh, because her son did not want to eat the, the food that she was providing, and he would complain about it. He said he, he didn't enjoy it. He thought it was yucky and everything else. So she said, "Well, if you don't like if you don't like what I cook, go cook yourself." But here's the thing: I like she it. actually she actually meant it. And when he said he said, well, "Fine, I will." Okay, she took him to the grocery store, told him to bring some allowance money with him, had him pick out some ingredients and gave him uh, gave him some recipes and worked with him and taught him how to cook. So the so she when she explained it to me, the lesson that she was giving him is that if you sit around and wait for things to be handed to you, you're going to have to tolerate things you don't want. But if you're willing to put forth your own effort to get what you want, you can have it.
2: Yeah, I, I I love that. I love that. I think today what's interesting with with young adults is, um, you know, they would prefer not to have to work. They would prefer not to have to do much at all. Like, I mean, we were that way, too, when we were that age. But we told our oldest that, look, you know, you, you've got two options this spring is one, you play a sport, or two, you get a job. And um, as someone who our son has big goals of you know, playing sports and all through high school and and hopefully in college someday. Yeah. We said it, it will be of great benefit for you to find a sport to play, whether you're trying something new, you're continuing to do track. Um, but the other coaches want you there. And I, I, some people will say, hey, you know what? It's too much for these kids to do three sports in a year. And that's just a lot for them. I would say yeah, that's BS. I would say, you know what? I know where my kid is. He's surrounding himself with other kids, mostly who are really good. He is staying in great shape. He's eating better as a byproduct and he the free time he does have is spent doing homework because he's at school for 10 hours a day. And Uh so, you know, the, the, the byproduct is they learn so many life skills and they learn this great leadership at this school and they're active, they're fit, they're eating better, they're they're focused on school. What's there not to like about that? I mean, no, I hope no, my kids at tired. Yeah, and so I'm just like, you know, let, let's keep him as busy as possible. Let's keep his, his horizons expanded and open. And I think that's great. And you know what? If you don't want to play a sport, that's fine. But you're also then going to have responsibility and, and learn the importance of a job.
1: I was not an athlete. I was the kid who really, really, really wanted a job. I wanted to make money.
2: I was too. <laughs> yeah. When I
1: yeah, when I when I reached the age of sixteen, I wanted my driver's license in a car like now. And it wasn't so I could go partying, it's so that I could travel to and from a place where I could do something in exchange for money.
2: I love that mentality. I wanted
1: the money is what I want is what I wanted. And I wanted to and the, the immediate driver was that I hated the clothes my parents bought me. It's like <laughs> it's like I think they went out of their way. I, I was already having enough problems in school being the quote-unquote smart kid but some of this shit they bought for me and expected me to wear that didn't even fit me well I told them uh, I'd like to get a job and buy my own clothes and uh, and and my, my dad listens to these podcasts so he's probably laughing at this right now and uh, but he'll also remember that I did in fact go get a job and I did in fact buy my own clothes now, the, here's a mistake I made before we get now, before we transition to the social media thing, this is the advice I give all parents. I'm going to date myself by saying that I bought a lot of my clothes at the, a store called The Merry-Go-Round, which was uh, in a lot of malls around the United States in the 80s and 90s. I wish I would have kept those clothes. Do you know how much w- money that stuff is worth on the nostalgia market right now? <laughs> a lot. So here's my final advice to parents before we get into advice on social media. If your kids don't want to wear the clothes you want to buy them and they want to get a job and buy their own because they want to buy trendy, fashionable stuff that teenagers are wearing today, support them in doing it. And once they outgrow this stuff or get bored with it, mothball it and wrap it up tight and stick it somewhere. Don't let them throw it away. Don't donate it. In about 20 years or so, when they come to you saying, "You know that you know that 70 dollar blouse I bought when I was in junior high, well, I can get hundred dollars for that blouse right now, and you can hand that 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 blouse to your your kid and you can say, "Here you go, go get your C note. love you too <laughs>
2: Hey, my my parents saved my original Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and a lot of the games, and I am eternally grateful for that Uh because I I still have that stuff in my basement. Yeah, yeah, and and it's all
1: about those childlike states of enthusiasm, which is actually a a marketing and persuasion tactic. So social media, and I think it's a great way – I think it's a great place to jump in anyway, is part of what we look for when we engage in social media is to have – positive feelings as both a giver and a receiver of social media postings and social media marketing. So what I'd like to do is just kind of just get right to the crux of it. We were going to cover some common social media pitfalls and how they can be hindering your process. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to ask if you could just lay those down for us and we can tear them apart. Let's do it. All right. So that's my question. Go for it.
2: Okay, repeat that question one more time just so I, I can give you the best answer. Yep. The, actually, it's
1: what the episode is about. The uh, 10 most common social media pitfalls based on your experience as an expert in this area.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to start with an easy one that maybe a lot of the listeners have not expected. Um, number one, I think that most businesses uh, treat social media as their tool to sell their products and services, which yeah. is not what you should do. Now, there's there's bound to be two or three people listening, shaking their head, saying, I don't know who this Chris guy is, but he is wrong, 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 because I sell a lot through social media. Well, you might, but as a user of social media, do you actually like advertisements? Do you actually like no sold to no is No. Yeah. The answer, of course, is no. So then you'd say to me, Well, Chris, well, how do I sell then? You know, what's the point? Like, I need to sell my products. Well, yes, you do, but your focus should be on adding so much value to their newsfeed by being so uh-huh. informative, so educational, so entertaining, or whatever it is that you can do with your business that they want to do business with you as a byproduct. So yeah. a coach, a consultant, a podcaster, a an agency. I want you to flood, and I don't mean flood necessarily, but post a couple times a week and just give away the farm. That's a, that's a key phrase we used to use in the agency world is, is give them so much value that they become intrigued by what you do. So that'd be number one for me. And Adam, you want me to just kind of keep going through my list here? Keep going. Roll with it, buddy. Yeah. Number two for me is, is really where I usually start um and it is lack of strategy um I have a chance I've had a lot of chances to speak publicly in my career and I like to lead with this rhetorical question but I do ask for a a show of hands how many people in the room have a strategy and Adam if there's a hundred people I I guarantee you less than 10 people in the room have their hand up I I, had a room specifically I,
1: I struggle there too but go ahead
2: yeah, I, I had a room at a summit last year that I co founded where two hundred and twenty people and I think there was it was less than ten for sure had their hand up. And I think we ended with four people that answered my last question, which was how many of you have it in document format? Because if you don't have it in a document, you don't have a real strategy.
1: Four out of hundred. So for those of no, you who saw two
2: hundred and twenty.
1: Oh, four out of two hundred and twenty. Yeah. That's like, that's like 2%. You know, we touched on this when you were on my other podcast. So I'm very excited to delve into this in yeah. a bit more detail. This whole thing about putting things in documentary form. Keep going.
2: Yeah. And what's interesting with all of that is if you have it, most people, their their numbers are just totally arbitrary. So it's like, where did you get that number? Well, I made it up. So that would be number three is it's really important to not only have a strategy, but it's really important to have goals. So your your strategy is nothing unless you know how to implement that. And so ultimately what I really try to focus on is let's create three very intelligent yet robust goals. And I say three because anything more is really difficult, specifically if you do not have more than one person in your marketing department. So um, we just don't have the bandwidth. Three goals is all most people can handle. And I I want you to do this. I I also want you to raise the bar to a level that it applies some pressure, pressure that you're gonna work hard and really want to get that done. And to the point to where um, it's also low enough to where you're gonna achieve it. Now, most people make the mistake. They're like, oh, 20%, 25%, whatever. But I think that you have to look at the data first. So it could be Google Analytics, could be Facebook insights, could be your ad performances, and then say, okay, now I have a very robust and intelligent number I can leverage. And then that will be a goal. And so I I then think too before, and this is this will be the next one. Are we on number three or four? Uh,
1: I, I can't remember, but just keep rolling.
2: Let's say number four. Before All right, we'll you go with four. Before you create this strategy, it's important that you create an audit. So, before you can create any kind of plan, my first step for the strategy is to audit yourself. So, audit your bandwidth, audit your current social media, audit your Facebook Insights, your Google Analytics, audit two or three competitors so that you have a very big picture of how things are working or how they are not working and so to me um now you have intelligence you have robust information that you can use to create a very effective strategy so um now we're cooking now we're really cooking uh-huh. we've got the audit we've got our goals we talked about not selling not focused on selling to but rather providing so much value that people want to do business with you so the, the next one which would be number five would be implementation i think that people mostly will will go out on social media and they'll be so focused on just posting and throwing things against the wall but ultimately ultimately you have to go back to your strategy and Even before that, you have to make time for social media. So when I say implement, I mean, you have to create time in your calendar. And how I do that is I just block chunks of time on my calendar. I do this bi-weekly, and I usually give myself a minimum of two 30-minute chunks where I can batch content in Canva or whatever tool I use. Um, I might even take podcast episodes And I'll pull out 30 second chunks of what I call the gold nuggets and I'll use those for some of my social media. So rather than me getting so focused on creating content, I'm just taking what I have and I'm editing it and I'm repurposing it for social, which would be the next one. Number six, Um, I think so many of us forget that. You know, because we think, oh, content creation is so hard. I don't know what to post about it. I don't know what to do. Well, if you have your strategy and you have previous content you've used, repurpose it. Some of the best podcasters in the world or best creators in the world, like Gary Vaynerchuk uh, and others, they will take old keynotes, old podcasts, and they will reshare them two years later, three years r- later, as long as they're still relevant. Sure. Or they might take... 15-minute, 10-minute chunks out of that and say, hey, you know what, there's something trending now with YouTube. YouTube is introducing podcasts and that's an actual real thing. You might go back to a presentation you had three years ago where you talked about how YouTube should be in the podcasting game. Well, boom, that whole chunk of information just became relevant again. You can take that 10-minute section, repost it into your podcast, and then take 60-second chunks of that and then use that micro-content for filling out some of their the days that you don't have content for. Yeah. um, I've thrown a lot at you right there. I'm gonna Uh I'm gonna kind of throw it back to you and see if there's anything there you want to dive a little bit deeper into.
1: All right. So one of the things that, you know, leaps out of me is the value of evergreen content and the value of creating greatest hits. So there are a few pieces of content in my life that have just managed to repurpose themselves over and over and over again. One example is back in 2012, when I first created something called the Business Creators Institute. Here in this day and age, anybody who knows what the Business Creators Institute is, knows that it's the vessel through which I do private business consulting separate from my podcast launch business. Originally, the Business Creators Institute was going to be a subscription-based members area where people would pay monthly to access content. So in order to build that content and also build a new list to support the Business Creators Institute, remember, this is 2012, so would I start doing a bunch of teleseminars? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, I had the idea of doing a teleseminar on customer service and so i'm thinking about how i how would i market something on customer service okay so great customer service awesome customer service rockstar customer service all right so we're gonna do do rockstar customer service so who do you think i brought in is my guest to share strategies on rockstar customer service Some of our listeners, some of our listeners know the answer to this. But when you think of somebody who might present on a topic like rock star customer service, who comes to mind?
2: Hmm. You know, honestly, I I don't know. I don't feel like there are that many customers that have great service. Amazon. Okay.
1: Um, any like anybody, any names of people who could possibly teach on it. Gary Vaynerchuk could possibly cover it. But is there anybody else? Seth Godin. Seth Godin would be a good one. Maybe maybe Jeffrey Gittimer, somebody like that. Alex Ramosi. Uh, yep, yep, there's another one. All right, but I didn't want any of those people. I wanted a rock star. So I brought on uh, Benny Mardonis, a friend of mine. God rest his soul. He passed a couple years ago. He, um, he created that song, End of the Night, that everybody has heard at their prom. And uh, he came in. And gave a presentation on how having transitioned after his top 40 days ended, he reinvented himself as an indie artist and how he leveraged customer service strategies, team building, and all the other things that entrepreneurs talk about to continue to sustain a career where he could continue to sell out venues serving a niche audience. And the communication styles, the protocols, and there were even some structures he had in place to make all this work now some of my friends thought oh you got your buddy benny on i can't wait to hear about his stories about the uh about the about the drugs and the rock and roll and everything and then they heard this guy they're thinking uh and i actually got a couple inquiries uh does this guy actually do customer service coaching would like to hire him so that was the very first recording that went into the vault for the original business creators institute Then, a year later, I launched this show that we're on right now, the Business Creators Radio Show. Now, this was September 2013. I didn't know anything about podcasting at the time, really. I thought that you officially had a podcast when it was listed on something called iTunes, which, by the way, is properly called Apple Podcasts. So I submitted my RSS feed, and I was told by Apple that it might take up to 30 days, and in 24 hours, bam, I'm listed. But I have no episodes. So what do I do? I reach out to some of my friends and say I need I need episodes right away. Would you like to be my first guest? The most of them said yes. It was great. It was awesome. But I needed content up right now to be in that new and noteworthy thing they used to do. So I recycled a few of the recordings in the Business Creators Institute vault, one of which was the Benny Mardonis interview, and I said We have a new podcast up. It's the Business Creators Institute, our Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, These are the guests we're going to be featuring in the next few weeks. Right now, go to the website and tune into some of our greatest hits. So I've already got the second use out of that same piece of content. Third piece of content, I needed to show how to do, I needed a tutorial on how to do um, optimization on YouTube. And I wanted to gain traction on the phrase, Benny Mardonis interview. I took a, cap, a, a segment of that audio recording, had a friend of mine uh, build a video collage. We put up as a YouTube video. We actually had it competing on page one Google search results with actual Benny Mardonis interviews. That's amazing. Now, fast forward to 2018. I got this book coming out called Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy. I delved into the project about mid-January 2018 with the idea that I would launch a book with the word Groundhog Day in it on February 2nd, which is Groundhog Day. I needed content fast, so I decided to add some bonus content. Guess what the bonus content is? It's the transcript of that same interview. So something that I created in 2012, I kept repurposing in different formats over and over and over again over a course of six years. Now, what's beautiful about social media is your social media platforms will remind you what you posted so many years ago. You can reuse that. It can give you an idea for what to post today.
2: Yeah, that's a great example of what people can do. Um, It can just be so simple. Uh, A lot of people already do it and don't know it. It's called Throwback Thursday and Flashback Friday, where Uh you're taking... You know historic stuff that you've probably posted in years past and it could be very often it's an business anniversary 15-year anniversary or it's someone's 15-year employee employment anniversary there are a lot of things you can go back to the well and share which is you know often how it started how's it going um we see it all the time how how it started how's it going i love those names Yeah, I I do too. And we all do. And even, you know, this is what I do a lot is I also for myself and for my clients, I build a content library. So let's just say, for example, you are, I don't know, you're a restaurant and you know that you have different seasons throughout the year. You've got the holidays at the end of the year. You've got obviously the different holidays throughout the year from St. Patrick's Day to Valentine's Day, all things you want to capitalize So you could have a folder within multiple folders for St. Patrick's Day, another one for Valentine's, another one for Christmas, another one for outdoor patio dining in the summer. And I know your menu changes and I know your business may evolve, but there's going to be things like a plate that has a cheeseburger and French fries on it that will be just as relevant today as it will be three years from now, most likely. And so if you're creating high quality content with the purpose of you know i would like to repurpose this sometime down the road awesome you should and a lot of people also they'll post something one time and that's it you can actually post it more than once just so you know yeah um, and so for example we talk about promoting an event well you're not going to promote event by only posting about it once you need to post about it once a week for maybe a couple months and yeah. So if you're repurposing content, you can do it that way as well. It's it's really not that hard, Adam. Adam, no, 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 not at all. And I love
1: the idea of themes. And I've seen people do this with their podcasts. I know a person who does three podcast episodes a week where they're all his monologues, and they have uh, and they had there's a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. So I can't remember the names of them all, but the the Monday like the like the uh, adjective that goes with it starts with an M and the Wednesday starts with a W and the Friday starts with an F. But it gives him that discipline so that he has a theme for three days a week. He can create content. What's really great about that is each one of those episodes becomes a shareable asset on his social media. I love that. It's also, it's also a great reason to host a podcast. And you know this being a podcast host yourself is – Now you create a great experience for your guests where they want to share the fact that they were on your show and you give them the assets to do that. Give them a swipe file. You give them a graphic. You tell them to tag you so that you'll engage with them when, uh, when they tag you. And that actually gets other people posting your social media for you.
2: Yes. And and in
1: exchange, and I'm sorry, I got to say, this is so cool. In exchange, they credentialize themselves by citing you as an influencer who graced them with the privilege of being on your show. Yes, which their cachet of look, Chris Burns says I'm worthy, which instantly raises Chris Burns's cachet.
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so. There's guesting. There's collaborations, which are kind of two in the same. Um, But you can do that even if you don't have a podcast. Um, You can hop on Zoom and you can interview people or just have a conversation. You can throw that up on YouTube. You can chop that up for your website, for your social. You can also, like I did this on LinkedIn recently, I asked, I think it was like seven or eight people, a question specifically, can you give me one thing that you would do right now to help a business get on track with their goals for 2023? And i had some really awesome answers from one end of the spectrum to the other some very short and simple to some more longer answers that are like five paragraphs and i'm gonna put that into a carousel i'm gonna i'm gonna that's gonna go up on friday and i'm gonna tag them all in my post and what i hope happens is that they're all gonna respond they're all gonna engage with it and the, ideally, it would be one of my highest performing posts, because I've not done anything like this before. But that's how you get to build relationships with people. And you engage, right? So you have to pre-engage to get the engagement on your post. But that's a collaboration. And that would be another thing that those listeners out here are thinking, how do I get this? How do I do that? Well, you know, get creative, get creative. And, and, Consider a collaboration. Reach out to people you don't know very well in effort to build a rapport and build value. That is the secret
1: of podcasting right there. If you want to take your social media friends, followers, connections, and turn them into actual friends, the easiest thing you can do is say, hey, I have a podcast. I'm looking for great guests you want on. Exactly. That, That is the cold direct message that will get you yeses and tell me mores.
2: Yes, you're you're right, and I've gone out of my way to seek out specific people who are what I would call highly qualified. So what I mean by that is I will I'll vet their content. I will look to see you know is this person a thought leader or you know is this person going to come on my show and then just try to sell their services, which obviously I don't want. Um, but I, I do think that if if the guest is so good, hopefully people are going to reach out and say, hey, I, I really like the way that woman said this, or I really like the way that guy talked about social media and they're going to reach out to that individual and ask, ask for more information. Um, But I I look for, do they have a good size following? Because then as you mentioned, Adam, they're going to go and they're going to share that. They're going to engage with the content. They're going to blast it out to their audience. And I hope that I can reciprocate and do the same for them someday. But I I really want to create so much value for my listeners that Somewhere down the line, they're going to want to do business with me or, or my guests.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's get back to your list. Uh, I know we took a little segue here to sort of get some thoughts on it, but let's get back to some of these mistakes that people make.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say the other one is uh, posting and ghosting. So what I mean by that is um, people are not putting the social in social media. They are using it as a one-way street, not a two-way street. And what I mean yeah. by posting and ghosting is you post and you're out. You don't stick around to um, ask questions of people or to engage with the comments. And people kind of look at me funny sometimes, Adam. They're like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, if someone says, hey, great post, I'll say, hey, thanks so much. What did you like about it? Or why did this one stick out to you? So I'm not just hoping I get engagement. I'm trying to cultivate that relationship. And you have to try you have to put an effort. That's what a lot of people don't get. Because so many people and this kind of leads into the next one, they use social media passively. They use it to look, but they don't use it to engage because oh, by the way, engagement is a reciprocation. People tend to engage with you because you engage with them on a one to one side. Um, and so I think it's really important that You know, when people leave a comment, I like it. And then I comment back almost always. Um, And I I just think that's so important to get social again, because if you go, Adam, to say today and every time you see a birthday on Facebook with a friend and you wish them a happy birthday, how many do you think you're going to get when it's your birthday?
1: I normally get a few hundred.
2: Yeah, because you're probably very active. You're probably the one who wishes everybody a happy birthday, don't you?
1: Uh, except, uh, the only times I miss is every so often, uh, I just drop completely out of sight for a few days. And that, uh, is actually basically me going and hiding from the entire world, which is just part of my own energy patterns. But other than that, it's something I check in on every single day. In fact, I create a course it's called the reach personal and business workout program, where we have an entire module within that on how to use the Facebook birthday card to spike your profile. Oh, I love that. Um, I, if you'll allow me and you can, you can use this yourself as long as you give me attribution. Cause I, I love plaudits. Um, I'll briefly explain what it is. So here's the thing. When you get those little notifications in your Facebook sidebar that it's, uh, you know, the people it's people's birthdays. What you do is you just open it up and you open up a bunch of tabs and you want to paste in a message. It's a little bit more elaborate than happy birthday. So the phrase I normally use is wishing you many happy returns in a fine year to come. Now, I use the phrase happy returns because Facebook algorithms know that that's another way of saying happy birthday. So they'll recognize that as a birthday post, and they'll pull it into the recipient's birthday card. It's also a phrase that Stands out from all the HBDs and happy birthdays and cheers and all that, which is great. And then I put a picture with it. And the picture I have is a photograph of an aerial view of a tiny country called San Marino. It's an actual independent republic. And in the upper left-hand corner, there's a picture of my cats. And in script, underneath the picture of the cats, I have Bon Compliano, which is Italian for happy birthday. Oh, that's cool. So the image itself is a conversation starter. Those who recognize what San Marino looks like will say, "Dude, that's a nice picture of San Marino." Or they'll ask questions about what the about what the image is about, and it stands out from all the other gifts and uh, and then picture and people wish people happy birthday, but then attach a selfie of themselves and make it all about them. So I do it in a way that's you know sort of stands out and is sort of unique. Now even if I have a relationship with a person where i might have you know i might want to wish them a private happy birthday maybe i have their phone number i'd give them a call or or a text if i texted which i don't or a um or a direct message or something like that i'm still going to post it on their public wall because i want to give them the algorithmic love so that's a piece of it so you do that and that and then watch for them to Like it or emote on it and comment on it and then respond to that. So now you have a two-way algorithmic boost. When it's your own birthday, let those greetings come in and about once an hour, not don't stay on top of it every five seconds because you'll drive yourself nuts. And don't wait till the end of the day because then you'll tire yourself out. About once an hour, check in on all the birthday greetings that are coming in and respond to each one. Don't like it. Use the care or the love or something like that. Use a different reaction because it's better for the algorithms. And don't just say thanks. Uh, Have like three or four stock responses like thank you so much for thinking of me or uh, doing my best or whatever uh, that that mean thank you but are a little more elaborate. Just have three or four and just cycle them so uh, so that you're giving a little bit of a unique response to each one without having to think about it. So the fact you're doing it once an hour and the fact you're mixing your messages a little bit is also good algorithmically. And more people will see that you're interacting with it frequently and you'll get even more greetings and it'll come back and forth. Now, here's the next step. Mid to late afternoon, make another post where you say, I'm so blessed by all these greetings I'm getting for my birthday. Thank you so much. I make I do a level best effort to respond to every single one of them. I think I've done that up until now. Just want you guys to know I appreciate you. Something like that. And what will happen is then you're going to get a second bump of people wishing you a happy birthday as comments on that thread. Do the same thing with those comments. So what you don't want to do with the birthday greetings is ignore them. And you don't want to put a post the next day that says, hey, uh, no way I could possibly respond to all you guys but just want to know I appreciate you, that's a cop-out, and it's also an easy miss. I mean, it's like, it's like you're having algorithmic love handed to you on a silver platter. You're having a spike in your visibility that's going to permeate people's news feeds for days, and what you're saying with a post like, can't respond to you all individually, but know that I saw your greetings, basically what you're saying is I'm too good. I'm too good to thank you. Meanwhile, right. you had to hand it handed to you on this silver platter and you don't even have to work hard at this.
2: <laughs> in,
1: fa- in, fa- in, fa- in fact, if you if you're not in a position where you can respond to each one individually, this is the one where you have your assistant drop in about once an hour and nurture this stuff. And since you've given them a few phrases, they can interchange. They, uh, <laughs> you know, you, know uh, you can manufacture and you can still get the benefits. I love that. Yeah, I uh, I spent a lot of time researching this, and I've hacked the, the Facebook birthday card. With LinkedIn, it's a little bit different. You typically don't see people wishing people happy birthday. What happens is uh, that tends to happen in direct messages. So what you do in those cases, you just respond within the direct messages.
2: You figured it out. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to the list because I've got a couple other really good ones. Yep, yep. We got Um, about 10 minutes
1: left, so let's bang this out hard.
2: Okay, so I'll say this. um, I see this a lot, a lot, a lot. A lot of people will say, hey, you know, I tried Facebook ads or I tried this, I tried that, and it didn't work. Well, you probably didn't spend enough money. Your content probably sucks because you don't have a strategy. But it's basically that you're inconsistent. If you were consistent with trying ads or consistent with trying TikToks, or whatever else it is that you want to try. It's probably going to work, but it takes time. And so I see these peaks and valleys where people will post vigorously for a month and then they just disappear for four weeks. Well, what happens is when you have these peaks and valleys, people start to ask questions. They're like, are they still in business? Like what's, why aren't they posting? That's weird. Or if you're a restaurant or bar or like a public place like that and you don't have your hours up up to date and someone shows up <laughs> and you're not open, they will go to your competitor. So it, I, 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 won't go, I
1: won't go back to them because you're right. That's how. like, if I'm looking for a new restaurant, I'm going to go on social media and check out their page. And I, I'm going to look at uh, their menu. I'm going to look at their reviews before I even take the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if you do that, you are basically sending business to your competitors. And so I think it's really important to be consistent with everything you do within your marketing. And if after three months or a year, it doesn't work, then you can say, Hey, you know what? I did try it. It doesn't produce the results I want. So I'm going to do something new. And so that's where I think consistency is always going to win the game in not only marketing, but also in business. Yeah. Um, Next would be utilizing stock photos. I, dislike i hate to use the word hate but i really greatly dislike loathe stock photos in 90 percent of the time it's because the person's just not trying and so i when i think about creating a relationship with my followers and prospective followers how in the world are they going to create any relationship or connection with me when i use images of random people models yeah
1: yeah yeah see my issue with stock photos they're great for powerpoint presentations and for illustrations on web pages and in emails i don't disagree with that what uh, but if you're using them on your social media i'll tell you what that tells me chris it makes me wonder if that's not somebody's dummy profile that they use for prospecting
2: yeah i mean it's just hard to validate that you're real and someone can make the case for stock photos i would say I mean, I'm not saying you can't or shouldn't use them, but I would say if if you value your marketing and you see marketing as not a cost center, but you see marketing as a resource, as an investment, you will spend the money to get a photo shoot or have someone take photos of you, your services, your people, your products, your facility, whatever, so that you can showcase that on your website because then you can prove you're real. You can prove you've humanized your business and that is why people create relationships and can connect with someone is when they can see you they can see your facility your people your services your collaboration oh yeah i don't care if you're a consultant or a coach get pictures of you on stage get pictures of you working with your clients because then i can see you actually have clients but if all i see is stock photos i i can't validate that you even have a client i can't yeah i can't validate
1: it's a real person
2: Exactly. So I think whether again it's email, web pages, whatever, if you have content which you probably do somewhere, or you could get, try to use it because stock photos to me feel very sterile, and some cases they just look bad. Because I, I had, a, I'm in Wisconsin, Adam, and I had a client in real estate who was using pictures of houses in real estate with palm trees in the background. And there are like, no, well, there
1: are no palm trees in Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, it's just it's a bad look. <laughs> in some cases, it can be a very bad look, and so um, you have to make sure that it's representative of your business. And yeah, again, you know, if you need a picture of a, a person typing on a laptop as a background photo, that's all good. And I'm not yeah. going to
1: argue that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just uh, just just popped in my mind. This is the mastermind principle at work. Uh, last year, when we had our congressional elections here in Nevada, one of the candidates was running this ad. It showed him sitting at a dining room table, I guess, with a local Nevada family or something. And uh, the, right behind it was the window. And you saw all these lush green trees. And it's like, we don't have that in Nevada, number one. And it, also, <laughs> and it also and it also, showed a house that had all this elegant woodwork and everything. And I said, our houses in Nevada, most of them are built out of paper mache And the rest of them are just all painted white. We don't have woodwork in Nevada. So stop. So so I know you probably did this in Washington, D.C., which is probably where you actually live now, but at least come to Nevada and do it in Nevada House. So we believe it like the authenticity was blown on me right there.
2: Yeah, 100 percent. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Adam, I want to be respectful of your time. We're at 10, but I want to give you two quick ones to wrap it up. Does that let's, sound good? Let's. Oh, I you're saying you're going to give me more than 10.
1: Yeah, are you good? Oh my, oh my goodness, I absolutely object. No, do not over deliver. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. Give hey, us two that, more.
2: That's it. I, I'm I'm focused on adding value. So number 11 is you have to have an ad strategy. So here's the deal. On Facebook and Instagram, organic reach is maybe 6%. Now that's, that is, I would say, a guesstimation within about 1% to 2%. But that is factual. It, it's it's not a like, oh, well, it's just not very good for me. It's not good for anybody. And so a couple things to throw in the, that conversation is one Facebook and Instagram are becoming more and more pay to play. Um, what I mean by that is if you want to get your content in front of new people, not people who are your current followers, which we all do, because we all want to increase our sales and awareness, you have to run ads. And you should want to run ads because advertising should provide a return on investment. And again, if you're doing it the right way, believe me, it will. So dedicate a small ad budget. Um, Instagram, the, the organic reach is probably somewhere between 10 and 12 from the reports I'm seeing right now. So it's better. But I think that you, you have to be proactive because if you always know you want to be increasing sales or you want to be in some businesses are looking for more talented people to work at their business, some are work, looking for more awareness, some are looking for more sales, you have to be proactive with your marketing and you can only be proactive if you're running ads. And so I would say the best places for that right now are YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. TikTok's pretty good too. But um, ultimately, an ad strategy of uh, at minimum $100 a week, and you, you maybe, maybe you're going to spend 200 bucks a month on and off throughout the year, that would be pretty good. Turn the, turn the switch on, turn it off. Depends on seasonality and other things, but ad strategy is really important. Yeah. The, the 12th one is content inspiration. So a lot of people will sit down and they'll say, Adam, I don't know what to post. What am I going to do? Where am I going? And if you have a strategy, that will certainly help there's no doubt but the key here this is a real real trick is where do you get inspiration from to know what to post and how to post so i'm going to give you a couple tools that that you can kind of walk away from today's podcast and say hopefully you will never run out of things to post about so here's what i do i go to this tool called facebook ads library and if you were a pizzeria and you wanted to get inspiration for what to post about you could type the keyword in pizza and you will see every single business in the world currently running an ad that has to do with either pizza or the business has to do with pizza and you'll probably be underwhelmed because there's a lot of bad content out there in the world but it would you go through a hundred posts or so within a matter of five minutes you'll say oh You know, there's only five that stood out to me, but what I do is I take screenshots and I put them in a folder and I save them for the times when I sit down and batch content. So, you know, I told you earlier that I have chunks of 30 minutes or an hour blocked every week to focus on my social media. Well, that's when I go into the folder and I say, Hey, this, this one pizzeria did this cool thing where they were taking their Google testimonials or reviews, and they were turning them into pieces of content for social. So I'm going to go to my Google, I'm going to then go to Canva and I'm going to create something very similar, but with my style and my branding. And so that is one tool you can use Google trends, Twitter trends, you can uh, certainly go through Facebook and you can just type in pizzeria. So if you're in Chicago, you can type in pizzeria, Philadelphia, pizzeria, Los Angeles, and you can look at other companies in your sector and just kind of say, how do I stack up against these? And you're gonna get some, not a lot, but you'll get some ideas. And I I just want you to take those screenshots, put them in a folder and you can go back to them and you will have and should have endless content ideas all over. And even if you say, hey, you know what? I wanna get outside of pizza, go to Sub Sandwiches, Jersey Mike's, Firehouse, see what they're doing. Um, Look at corporate, look at locally owned businesses. And I do this all the time and I have to go through and sometimes delete some things in my folder. But uh, I make sure that when I go into Canva, I, I have three or four pieces of content I can use right now that I've never used before and so i've even gone back and i've taken some of those posts and i just put them into a different design (laughs) because most people don't remember everything i've posted i just repurpose it so it looks like something different into maybe um a new template that I've, i've created and so there is just so many things you can do and i could go on and on and on in that subject but i think you and the listeners get the point is The ultimate thing, and this will be my 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 last little throw in with all the tips I gave you and all the areas where people can go wrong. I think it's really important to make this simple. We tend to make things too difficult and too complicated. So if you're going to make a strategy or a plan, make a one page document. This isn't rocket science, but make it so simple it's fun again. And so easy that you're excited to manage your social media. And that's actually my tagline on, on, on LinkedIn. I make social media so easy it's fun again. And so easy you're going to be excited to manage your digital marketing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing it with us. We are at the top of the hour. And I know you have a gift you want to share with our audience. So I'm going to introduce that for you. It's an yeah. ebook, it's a it's a leadership ebook called The Productivity Hacks of Successful CEOs and Achievers. And it shows short seven surefire ways to increase productivity faster than you ever dreamed possible. So is since, since part of what we discussed today is having a plan, being optimized, this starts with leadership. So this is relevant. And I encourage everybody to check it out. Go to hustleleaders.com forward slash ebook. That's hustleleaders.com forward slash ebook. Go check that out. I'm going to download it myself. It sounds really cool. And with that, Chris Burns, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education.
2: Adam, can I give you one more freebie?
1: All right. As we wrap up, give us one more.
2: Okay. So I am also interested in giving away a free marketing audit. So Uh, Right now, if you go to my Calendly link uh, on my personal website, IamChrisBurns.com, there is an option to uh, book 15 minutes with me where I will give you no sales pitch, uh, no products, no services, just 15 minutes of my time where you can ask me questions or we can review your digital marketing and I can give you my insight and opinions. And that is open to anybody who wants that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I appreciate you sharing that with us as well. Go to imchrisburns.com. All right. So again, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again sometime.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, Adam.
0: We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show.